0: Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We continue our uh, brief series during Advent on uh, the incarnation. While you're turning, I really hope that you will come uh, to lunch today. Um, if you were planning to go have lunch over at Harbison, you don't want to go near there, I promise you. Yesterday, it's getting ugly over there. Uh, I I heard some, not just little beep, beep, but people laying on their horns. And so stay here, fellowship with one another. I normally greet at uh, the door down here before Sunday school and uh, today because so many people were bringing in their food, I went down to the great hall and greeted the food, the people coming in. It will be a great time. So, uh, really, if you did not bring something or if you're visiting with us, we'd love to have you stay for the meal. And we've got some uh, wonderful traditions we enjoy. And we're also going to uh, show our 30th anniversary video, uh, which is uh, some of you have seen the visitor's video. And this is an expansion of, of that. And it's the first time it's been seen publicly, so uh, I hope that you will be there for that. Uh, Good theology should lead to right living. Now, I say should. It doesn't always, but it ought to if it has its right application. And in the uh, passage before us today, Uh, what we have is a little unusual approach by the Apostle Paul. What he's going to do is to start with the application. He's going to say, this is how you you followers of Christ ought to be. This is who you ought to be, how you ought to act. And then he's going, going to Then build the foundation, why? With these uh, uh, amazing uh, doctrines that he will share. And so then I'm going to do just the opposite in my message where we're going to look at those doctrines and then we're going to spend some time applying them. So as I read this in Philippians 2, I want you to... Try to discern how is the incarnation, and we talked about that all last week, the incarnation is God becoming flesh. God becoming flesh. How is the incarnation necessary for our salvation and for our walk in the Lord? We read in uh, Philippians 2, and I'm going to insert some questions in here that are not in the Scripture, so follow along. You'll know when I'm, when I'm doing that uh, just to connect it together. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. And what else? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the why. Why we should do those things. Who, th- who though he was in the form of God, did not e- count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, as we read that passage, those are impossible demands. Demands. If it has to come from our own energy and our own ability and our own endurance, our own willingness, our own humility, impossible. But you don't tell us to do things that are impossible. And that which is impossible with us is possible with you. So show us, we plead. Show us by your Holy Spirit how we are to fulfill this, what this means in our life. Remind us of this great doctrine, this action on your part of the incarnation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to use a phrase, and if, you, if you've looked at the outline at all, you will see this phrase in there. You will hear me using this phrase, and I want to clarify it right up front. I'm going to use phrases like, he had to come, he had to fulfill, he had to do this. I want to stipulate this. He didn't have to in the sense that He owed it to us. He did not have to do anything. The, there never comes a point where the Creator owes the creature anything. So, when I say <clears throat> He had to... What I'm saying is that if those things were to take place, He had to do it because it's impossible for us to do it. So understand that that everything that I'm going to talk about, the incarnation, God becoming flesh and walking and moving among us, All of that is completely and only by grace. We didn't deserve it. He didn't owe it to us. It was His nature, His desire. It was His will. But if they were to take place, it was on Him. So let's take a look at how the Incarnation... Is, is necessary for our salvation. First of all, He had to come to us because we couldn't go to Him. Let's start with that. Romans 5, verse 8. God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, here's the key. While we were still sinners. That's our problem. Until sin came into the world, we've always got to go back to this. We go back to the garden. Man had fellowship with God. Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. And then Adam, as our representative, we call that our federal head. He was our representative. He chose sin, he chose that which was forbidden. And because he is our representative, that means all of His posterity. And if you're a human being, you are His posterity. All of His posterity. From then on, we're born in sin. And that puts us in this category of being sinners without Christ. That is our identity And the sinner cannot go to God in and of himself. Adam could no longer fellowship in the same way. And then a promise was made that there would be a way. And that promise was fulfilled in what the Bible calls the second Adam. In Jesus Christ. He had to come to us. Because we couldn't go to him. So. What was the answer? If. if sinners couldn't go to him. Then we read in John 1.14. And the word. Remember from last week. That's Jesus. Became flesh. And dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory as. Of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's, that's how it happened. On October 18th of this year, in Buffalo, New York, there was a 37-year-old uh, bus driver named Darnell Barton Co-workers called him Big Country. He was driving along with a a bus full of high school students. And he approached a bridge and he looked over and he saw a woman on the other side of the rail of that bridge. He knew there was something wrong here. And so he eased the bus over right in the middle of traffic. And he he opened up his door and he said, ma'am, are you okay? Is everything okay? Is there something wrong? As he saw no response, he got out and gently went over to her. When she at one moment was uh, distracted looking from the traffic to the water, uh, he took his Big arm and pulled her over the rail and sat down with her with his arm around her and talked to her until other help could come. When the other help came, he got back on his bus to a standing ovation by the students. He went to her because she was incapable of coming to him for help. And then he sat with her. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I have to think, after the resurrection, after the ascension... I suspect when Jesus re-entered heaven, he experienced the applause of heaven as well. Secondly, he had to fulfill the law because we are all lawbreakers. Jesus had to fulfill the law. Because all of us are law breakers. Galatians 4, verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. That's, that's the incarnation. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. How did he do that? Well, he had to come, first of all, and then be born under the law. And then it says this in Hebrews 4, verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. That's what he had to do. To come and live and walk among us. To be uh, tempted to break the law at every point that human beings are tempted. But what he had to do different than us is not to succumb to that temptation. Not to fall into sin. He lived the life. We needed to live if we would ever experience fellowship with God. He faced it all. But rather than sinning like us and breaking the law, he passed every test and was perfectly obedient. He had to fulfill the law because we're all lawbreakers. That's why the incarnation was necessary for our salvation. And then thirdly, He had to be on earth to take our punishment. He couldn't have have just stayed in heaven and said, Well, I forgive. I'm God, after all. I forgive. We, We don't need to go through all of this. Well, let's answer that from the Word of God. Hebrews 9, verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness of sin. Hebrews 10, verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's the, the Old Testament sacrifices. And what was going on every time a bull or a goat was sacrificed was not sufficient in and of itself. It was pointing to the sacrifice that was to come. He had to be on earth for that sacrifice. Hebrews 10 verse 12 then. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That's it. It was absolutely necessary. It would have been a compromise of his very nature to ignore that which He had put in place to deal with our sin. So not only did He live that life that was necessary for salvation, He died the death that we deserve to die because of our sin. And He did it in our place. And so it was necessary that he come and walk this earth. Now, that's, that's the basic doctrine. We're building on what we talked about last week. I want us to think now for a few minutes in terms of two areas, and these are just going to be examples, two areas of application for this. The family and the church. Where is the application? What does this mean in our walk? Well, I, I, there's, there's two things we need to know as we enter into this. Because He came and because the Spirit dwells in followers of Christ, those who are trusting in Christ alone for eternal life, the Spirit dwells in His followers. He's with us. And therefore, we have the strength to do what He commanded us to do. That's why it's no longer impossible. And then secondly, when we do obey, we are an expression of the incarnation to those around us. We become a a living illustration of the reality of Jesus When we do as he commands. Now let's look at, first of all, in terms of uh, uh, the family. We read earlier, by the way, these are absolutely, his humility is, is the key. Remember what I read to you from Philippians 2 verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He, he was God. His humility brought him here to this earth to walk among us. And then we read in terms of the family. Over in Ephesians 5, there are, there are several things, five going into six, that talk about uh, the husbands and wives. And then it talks about uh, fathers and, and children and Uh, Then it talks about slaves and masters, uh, those in that relationship. But the umbrella verse, I am convinced of all of those, it doesn't start with, women, hear me here. It doesn't start with, wives, submit to your husbands. Sometimes, and in your Bibles, it may even say that's, you know, the wife and husband relationship. And that's what it looks like. That's the first phrase there. But there is a verse right before that that explains, I believe, all the verses that follow and it connects it with the Incarnation. And that is Ephesians 5.18. talks about submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Here's, here's, what it's, here's what it's saying. That when it comes to our relationships, and let's talk specifically about husbands and wives... It doesn't start with how you treat one another. It's, it starts with a reverence for Christ. And then all of us, out of a reverence for Christ, become in a role of submission to each other. And then he's going to describe what the, those roles of submission look like for the different roles in marriage. For instance, wives, it does say submit to your husbands. But you know what? That's not going to mean death to you. You do have to die to yourself a little bit every single day if you're going to submit to your husband. And that's why it's necessary to know what Christ did for us in the incarnation, because that makes the difference. You see, it's not It's not just saying submit to your husband because he's such a good guy. He is a good guy sometimes, right? <laughs> now I get an amen, right? <laughs> and so sometimes it'd be easy to submit. But instead of that, it's connected to out of a reverence for Christ who is always good and always righteous and always does what's best for us and loves us so much and showed it by submitting himself to the Father and coming to this earth for us. And then it says to the husbands that you're to love your wives like Christ loved the church. And you know what? in your own strength. You can't even do that. We can't even do that for one minute in our own strength. Now, you can't think about loving your wife like Christ loved the church without thinking about, well, Christ died for the church. And here's the thing. I know you guys, we guys, okay? Here's what you would do if if it came down to it and to protect your wife you would have to die for her you would have to take a bullet for her you'd do it you you would do that now here's the here's the problem with that you're probably not going to be called on to do that and so it doesn't do a whole lot of good For you to walk around and say, you know, I'd take a bullet for you, you know, because we usually keep our wives away from places where bullets are coming at us, right? So, that's in one way the easy way. But here's the other side of that. It calls us not to die for her once, but to die to ourselves every single day. And that means being tender with her. And it might mean picking up some clothes. And it means loving her in, in a different way than those who don't have Christ would love their wives. And, and the reality of that is that that's, that's harder than taking a bullet for her. And yet that's what we are called to do. But you won't be able to do that unless you every day understand that it's out of a reverence for Christ who has already showed his love for us by coming to earth. He gave it all up for us. And then we say, you know what, when I don't feel like loving in that way, Christ in me must love her in that way. That's just one example in the family. But what about the life of the church? It includes encouragement. Hebrews 10 says this verse twenty four let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another now that's just that's not just saying although it does include coming to church, but it's saying being with 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 god's people and being with them and when you're with them, you're with them for encouragement. Not just to drain, but to give encouragement as well. Lee Eklov tells the story of a person needing encouragement. He talked about uh, in... Uh, Christmas Eve service, 11 o'clock service at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, New York City. People were getting there early like they do for our service uh, on Christmas Eve to, to get a seat. And one of the people that got there early was a man named Jim. Jim was a recovering alcoholic. He hadn't taken a drink for six months He came into the church and he sat down and because the service hadn't started, he was looking around and two rows in front of him, he saw a family there, parents and children. And all he could think about was how he had lost his family over his choices. He had come there for some hope and instead was hit with that discouragement. He got up and he started to to walk out. And he bumped into the pastor, Thomas Terrell. Pastor said, Where are you going, Jim? He said, I'm going to get a scotch. And he said, I he he knew his background and what he was struggling with. He said Jim, you can't do that. Don't do that. Where's your sponsor? My sponsor's out of town, can't be reached. He's with family. I came here for some hope. And I feel worse than I did when I got here. Well, the pastor got him over to a couple of other pastors, and they were talking in the front hallway. It was time for the service service. To start, and so the pastor got up to the front and he greeted people and he welcomed them, talked to them about the service, and then he said, uh, By the way, if anyone here tonight is a friend of Bill Wilson, and you know if you're a friend of Bill Wilson, some of you here know what that means. Bill Wilson is also known as Bill W. He was a co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. He said, if any of you is a friend of Bill Wilson, will you meet me out in the hallway for just a moment? There's somebody who wants to meet with you. And he said, from all over that church, men, women, college students, old and young, got up and walked out to the front hallway and met with Jim. The pastor, Pastor Toole, said, While I was inside the sanctuary preaching about the incarnation, the incarnation was being exhibited in our front hallway. That's the encouragement of being a part of God's people. Someone here needs hope. Someone here needs encouragement. We are to be the incarnation of Christ within the church. Will you be that? If Jesus were physically walking Among us. Who would he talk to and what would he be saying? May we be willing to let Christ in us. Encourage one another. May we be used by him. Let's pray together. It's always, Lord, easier said than done. But with the journey that you made for us, will you cause us to take that extra step or few steps to move toward others, to be in encouragement, or if it's our time to receive encouragement? Because we put ourselves in the way of people who are representing the incarnate one. We ask you for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.